Hello, and welcome to another month of Patreon bonus content. Now, Ursula, you can make that very loud and disruptive noise you're going to make now. Boop! So, I am Sammy, and today for this Patreon content, I am joined by Ursula. Hello! Of Queer Dungeoneers. (laughs) (laughs) So, what are we doing today, Ursh? Story cues. Story cues. I've actually never played this before. No, I haven't either, which is why we're going to do it for an audience now. <laughs> um, you're paying for us to learn right now, so thank you. Uh, so today I have two brands of what are known as story cubes. Uh, story cubes are a six-sided uh, implement where each side is a square. And on each of those square faces is depicted an image. Uh, so the one I'm holding at the moment has a picture of the Earth. On one side, it's got a plane. On another side, um, it's got a smiley face that looks like it's trying to smile but really wants to cry. <laughs> or needs to poop. Yeah, so <laughs> so just a variety of different images. And the idea is that you roll a set of these cubes and then you use the images as the jumping off point to craft a wonderful story. So today with us we have two brands of dice. We have the Rory's Story Cubes, which I think are either the original brand or like the bigger brand or something. Um, and then we've got Story Dice Game. Story Dice Game, <laughs> which seem to be maybe slightly lower quality. I'm sorry to slam me Story Dice Game, but I'm sure that means they're cheaper too. So if you want to go to... It literally says $15 on the packet, so... You reckon they're cheaper? I don't know. <laughs> that one is. So... What we're going to do, we've devised a game with the 18 dice we have before us. We're going to do two rounds of this. What we're going to do is one of us is going to roll the dice and then tell act one of a story set in the world of Queer Dungeoneers. Then the other one of us is going to roll their dice and continue the story. And then the person who started is going to roll a second set of dice and finish the story off. So we're going to roll six dice at a time, three from each set. Yeah, and that's what we're going to do. And we're going to do that twice. So once where I lead off and finish, and Ursula is the middle of the story, the spanner in the works, (laughs) and another where Ursula gets to be the story master and I get to be the horrible imp hiding in the closet of Act 2. All right. Um, so I don't see any reason to delay. <laughs> nope, I'm nope. not scared. Uh, so it's time for a segment. Yay! Yay! Okay, today's segment is uh, thinking of other shapes that these cubes could be. Um, triangular prism, uh, pyramids. Triangular pyramids, okay. And how many images would they be able to fit on them? Uh, four. Okay. So I like this bold thing. So, you know, storytelling with these six-sided cubes is fun, but sometimes you've got a story in mind already, so I was thinking maybe one-sided cubes. (laughs) (laughs) One-sided cubes that are quite flat and large, and you put your own story on them. Oh. Right, 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 right. I like that. They could have lots of them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, if if your story's long, it can become a two sided story cube, mm. an S two, if you will. And if your story's long enough, you could bind it all together into another cube into that holds a mega it. Yeah, like a very cube. large cube. This is 
Wow, I've never thought of it like that. You've just invented something totally new. Okay, and that was our segment. Yeah. Um, other things that you could put these images on. Just roll the fucking dice. <laughs> so I'm going to lead off with my story now. It's going to be wonderful and QD team. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> um, so, for today's first act of our first story, we have a chess, like the, the castle chess piece, or like a single... A um, rook. A rook, yeah. Uh, we have... Constipated the, smiley. Yeah, the, the, con- <laughs> the concerned and consternated face. Uh, we have a figure with very curly hair, delightful and curly hair. Uh, we have a set of scales tipped down to the left. Uh, we have a cartoonish-looking magnet. <laughs> and the alcohol symbol. Yeah, and we have t- two wine glasses, notably one full and one completely empty. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to need a moment. So, first of all, if you want to lead us off with another segment... I'm kidding. You don't have to. I won't. Oh, well, the advice on the site did say to maybe start by the first one you notice and then grow your story from there. Mm. Okay. So we find ourselves in Molten Gorge. Ooh, okay. very nice. That's the, the rook. The walled city with huge mountains and volcanoes surrounding it, uh, which serves as the capital of Concordia. And we don't find ourselves just anywhere there. We find ourselves in a courtroom. That's the tipped scales. And so in the room are two, are a prosecutor and a defense lawyer. The prosecutor has this great curly hair. (laughs) Um, That's the curly haired person. And these thick, thick curls, like large curls. Um, The hair is gray and they are quite old, they seem incredibly confident. Okay, they have this piles of evidence in front of them. They've called, they're now calling their 27th witness to the stand. <laughs> and frankly, the defense lawyer is just trying to hold it together at this point. <laughs> That's constipated face. <laughs> um, the defense lawyer, in there, a lot of witnesses, there is... A parrot. They have three copies of a forensic record, and each of them has been marked as outdated, and so none of us standing up. <laughs> um, and they've got just bullets of sweat going down their face. And I think the prosecutor very smugly says to to the latest witness, the latest witness who is. I think a sort of very large buff person with like dark arm hair and and a very grizzled face. Um, and yes, and the and the prosecutor goes up to them and says, "So, how many drinks did you see the defendant have before the altercation?" Well, there must have been at least ugh, seven or or twelve. I don't know. I was drinking myself, but it was a lot. Okay, uh, and tell me, had you previously known the witness to dabble in magnetomancy? I'm going to move the magnet across, and we've also moved the wine glass across. No, no, I was quite surprised myself when the incident happened. But uh, i got to say, it must have been them. It couldn't have been anybody else. And the prosecutor hands the witness to the defense lawyer. Welcome to, act- done. welcome to act two. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
All right, what do you got? I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start with the easy ones. I have a question mark. <laughs> I have a bow and arrow. I have a uh, cassette tape. I have a parachute. I have some mountains. And a demon shadow. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is, to describe it, it is a little neutrally faced human, and their shadow is quite honestly a demon. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, so I'll give you some time, you can make your, uh, story. <laughs> uh, yeah, the defense lawyer gets up and there, you can see the sweat in the armpits of their kind of cheap looking blazer, and, and... You know, it's dripping down their forehead and they kind of use their hand to wipe it back up and through their hair to kind of gel it back in, in some semblance of appearing confident. And they go, yes, um, <laughs> my question for the witness. That uses the question, question mark. mark you, is, um, uh, while you were working in the forge of Molten Gorge, and that is the mountains because the forges of Molten Gorge are in the mountains surrounding the city. Uh, uh, you saw the defendant, um, Penelope, uh, <clears throat> is that hot in here? Um, mm, no, never mind, excuse me. Penelope, um, I am stocking, um, working, and then what did you see? Um, and the witnesses, well, we were on our break, you see, and, you know, we don't normally drink on the job, but it was, uh, Harrison's birthday, and, uh, you know, we like I said, we'd all been drinking, but uh, Penelope was was imbibing maybe a bit too much. This has gone real southern instead of gruff. And um, everyone saw there was a bow and arrow right next to her, and the arrow lifted up and shot straight past our manager's head. And it was an arrow with a pure iron tip forged in our wonderful smithy. And that is why I believe the difference... <laughs> The defendant used magnetancy to try and murder our manager while drunk. Yes, um, I see. This is, um, you, you don't think, you don't think, for example, she could have been, um, possessed by a, by a, um, a, a, a hostile spirit or demon or curse or spell. And that is the demon shadow cube. Uh, no, I do not. I would comfortably go on record. (laughs) 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 Saying that. Well, in fact, I am on record saying that. Consider it on the record. (laughs) Um. She's left herself parachute for last. (laughs) Yes, but um, how does that relate to the, uh, to the, the hang gliding accident that occurred it doesn't seem to have any connection. Why, the arrow that she flung using magnetomancy, of course, because it missed our manager, went flying out the mine entrance and went straight through the hang glider's hang gliding thing. No more questions! <laughs> okay, let's bring this home. <laughs> Did she do it? Oh. <laughs> Oh dear. So, <laughs> so for the listener, we have a garbage can, a tree, a crescent moon, a sleeping face, 
either an alien or a mask. <laughs> and a soccer ball. <laughs> now, soccer ball is particularly troubling because we have established among the cast the sport doesn't yet exist. But we have also established in Boris content that Boris ball. But there's no way it would have gotten a molten gorge. You don't know that. You don't know when this is set. Okay, I think the judge stands up. Why, I have heard enough of this case. The defence hasn't raised a single salient argument for their case, and I am ready to give my judgment. So unless anyone has anything more to say, I am going to declare the defendant Penelope Einstein. Everything slows down. Is this how it ends? Oh, jeez. Um, I gotta pull something together. Okay, um, 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 let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, something in this case isn't gonna add up, okay? Um, yeah, so I had to throw most of my evidence into that trash can over there because it was invalidated when we found out the whole thing was at night. Whatever. I'm moving over trash can. (laughs) And night. And moon. (laughs) And moon. And, uh, and maybe, and maybe, uh, the, 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 the prosecution is so cocky that they keep throwing these balls at me whenever I make any, try to make any sort of argument. But. <laughs> I love it. Wait a minute. Objection! <laughs> the The court is thrown into a furor as the sweaty, sweaty defendant stands up. Um, you, uh, witness, friend, you said that the arrow caused the hang gliding accident. Why, yeah? But the incident occurred at night time. Who hang glides at night? (laughs) Uh, well, what? You, You can't. You can't hang glide at, at night. It's, it's, it's against any law. The only people who would hang glide at night is, is, is someone who was trying to, trying to hide something. Like someone trying to sneak Boris balls <laughs> into Molten Gorge. Sport is banned! <laughs> I think the judge, like, bangs their gavel. That would be an outrageous action. Sport is banned in Molten Gorge. <laughs> Yes, Judge! That's why I'm taking this case with such seriousness and, and, and severity. Um, uh, okay, I've got to keep it going. Uh, we, we thought that Harrison, who was having the birthday party, was killed when the parachute crashed. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that they must have been killed sometime earlier, when they were asleep on their break. But why would they be killed on their break? Because they knew too much. They knew about the operation that our witness was running with another person on outside. Whoever was hang gliding in must have been an alien to Molten Gorge. <laughs> I'm getting a look of deep despair at Ashler as I move the alien slash mask over the left side. <laughs> well, you can't just go making those claims like that. Who, who do you think it could be? Ah, uh, it all comes down to this. Um, I believe 
It was the prosecutor! <laughs> Why, prosecutor, didn't you arrive in Molten Gorge just three days ago? Why, yes. Okay, well, surely you can show us the papers of how you arrived. I, um, the, that, this is, this is ridiculous. Uh, all the papers were lost when the tree... <laughs> <laughs> Moving tree across, fell down on the on the on the immigrations records office. But when did the tree crash down on the immigrations records office? Well, when the parachute crashed into the tree. Exactly, Your Honor. What the prosecution would have you believe happened was that Harrison was in the parachute and was killed by the stray arrow. But. What I believe happened was Harrison found out too much and then was killed by being dropped from a great height. Wait, wait, they're at Harrison's birthday party, but Harrison wasn't there because he was hang gliding. Right. Hang on. Stop. What? But that means that Harrison wouldn't have been there at his own birthday party. Well, he needed to make it look like he was very far away. So you all said that he was hang gliding. But it wasn't him hang gliding. It was the prosecutor! Who <laughs> <laughs> was then hit and killed when you, the witness, used magnetomancy to launch an arrow <laughs> into his parachute. <laughs> At the same time, you angled the parachute into the tree that knocked down... <laughs> The records office covering your crime perfectly. <laughs> Hold on, pause. Pause. Ashley needs to get this set of events straight. Yes. Pa- no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's Harrison's birthday party, but Harrison's not there because he has been murdered at a previous junction in time just hours before (laughs) he knew too much about the prosecutor and the witness yes the witness who he worked with was hatching this plan with the prosecutor to get Boris Bulls in that's right Boris Bulls and he'd learn about okay okay it's all adding up it was Harrison's birthday party but he wasn't there because he found out about the scheme between the witness and the prosecutor to bring Boris Bulls into Molten Gorge where sports ball is banned banned so they offed him at an earlier point in time and then at the work birthday party that evening after their shift they so as no, 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 no. Okay. The prosecutor was hang gliding while the witness was attending the birthday party in order to shoot this arrow in the right direction to cause the hang glider to crash into the tree to make it look like an accident. And then he framed Penelope Ironstocking, but really it was him all along, and then the prosecutor crashed into the tree next to the Immigrations Records Building, which caused the tree to fall onto the Immigrations Records Building and destroy the records of their immigration so that they couldn't be traced back to the Boris Bulls. Yes, and then I assume presumably they left the body at the scene in the harness of the paraglider. Yes. Thus completing the crime. It is a most wretched affair, but I see no leaves of lead to <laughs> it's just my evidence. Um, do you have anything else to prove this? No! I find the defendant guilty.
<laughs> oh no! What a surprisingly successful first story, but also so bad. I'm hungry. <laughs> okay, yo, we're gonna take a break and eat some food, and then we're gonna come back because that's too much. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Beautiful. Take us away. She's chosen her dice. Chosen my dice. She picks them up. One falls out of the box. Okay, so I have an abacus, a pyramid, um, the tree again, a diamond, an airplane, and a trash can again. Okay. It is another beautiful day in the halls of the gods. As it always is in the halls of the gods, except when it isn't, because the gods say so. And Thagpi, the god of commerce, is sitting there absentmindedly playing with an abacus because he has nothing to do now that the barrier has gone up. There's nothing to do. There's no trade between the realm of the mortal folk and the halls of the gods. He can't stick his fingers in anything. He can only watch as the humans fuck up their own economy. And he's bored and he's sick of watching them fail. When suddenly, Tweed, the goddess of the elements at rest, bursts in. That's the tree. That's the tree. And she says, Thagpi, I need your help. And Thagpi says, Why are you here? We don't really talk. And Tweed was like, I know, I couldn't turn to anyone who I actually knew because it's too embarrassing. And so Thagpie's like, I'm really fucking bored. I'm gonna hear Tweed out. And Tweed's like, well, you know Kartos. And Thagpie's like, oh my god, Kartos, yes, he's always fucking with my trade routes, breaking them. It's, what has he done now? Why do you even go out with him? And Tweed's like, well, see, here's the thing. I don't anymore because guess what the motherfucker has gone and done? You know how we all got to, like, choose an anchor and it was all great and perfect and fine and perfect and fine and it was lovely and the barrier going up didn't have any negative consequences for us at all? And Pagpie is like, yes. And Tweed says, well... He specifically waited until I decided what I wanted mine to be and then made his around mine. My beautiful diamond. Diamond. And no one gets to see it because it's trapped in this tomb of obsidian. Pyramid. And I don't know what to do because there is no way to travel across the barrier anymore and I can't send anyone, any of my druids or any of my followers, to try and do anything about it. Travel is aeroplane. And Tagpie's like, yep, wow, that's rough. Look, I always knew that guy was trash. Trash bin. <laughs> uh, okay, cool, well. This is the so, sitcom version of The Halls of the Gods where Tweed is, like, emotional. Oh, yeah, hysterical. shit, I knew I forgot to say something. This isn't canon. <laughs> this isn't canon. <laughs> this, is, this is, like... When they invent television in the world of queer engineers and they like totally dramify everything. This is like Percy Jackson's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
I have a padlock, another crescent moon, but this one has a face and a little nosy. I got a flame. This time I have two masks. And they're the theater masks. Like yeah. One's smiling and one's frowning. Mm-hmm. I have a tent. And I have an image of someone who looks about as happy to be here as Daria from Daria. <laughs> I was gonna. I was thinking they're at a spa, but no, their eyes are closed. I mean, maybe they're at a spa. Okay, well, we'll keep that as an alternate interpretation. Okay, so we left it at. Tweed has just told uh, a Thagpie about her rock-based woes. <laughs> Oh, Tweed. I know, I know. It's very limiting now, as you can imagine, now that we've all been uh, locked out of the market, as you might say. That's my padlock. (laughs) But I think I know what we can do. So the barrier's up, right? Uh, yes, of course, the barrier's up, and it's good, except for this one small detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love this idea that the gods have to pretend it's this wonderful thing, but they actually all fucking hate it. We don't know how high the barrier is. Maybe if we went high enough, we'd be able to go to the barrier, and then you could burn down the stupid tomb thing built over the top of your precious diamond. That's fire. She says, how high would I have to go? And Thagpire looks her dead in the eyes. Tweed, we're going to the moon. That's Moon. God, this has gone so far off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Tweed, Tweed looks uh, alarmed. But we don't want to circumvent the barrier. I mean, it's it's very important. It's there for a good reason. Oh, come on. You can't actually say you like that thing. No, I genuinely like it. I think Thagpire's take on her back for a second. You're weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're weird. All right. We're going to need some help if we're going to get to the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're right. Let's assemble our party of people who are going to help us and then move briskly into Act (laughs) 3. Fuck you! (laughs) We're going to need, um... Okay, we need Onflikius. God of drama. You know, Busker's not doing much these days but sleeping. So that's the mask in the tent. And you chose the tent and not the literal person with their eyes closed. <laughs> Mistakes. <laughs> but I've committed now. Yep. No take backsies. And we'll need Sparta, God of relaxation and warming waters. I hate you. <laughs> How could Onflikius, Baska, and Sparta help us in this task? They couldn't. But they're all we've got. Over to you! Oh, God. Where is this going? You got your rainbow. I got my rainbow. Um, okay, so I have a sleeping person. I have a, like, heartbeat. A healthy heartbeat. ECG? A- yeah, yeah. Um, I have a rainbow. I have the mountains again. I have an arrow. Not like the bow and arrow from last time, but like a like direction. An actual arrow. arrow. Yeah, like pointing in a direction. And a beetle. <clears throat> Alright. Tweed says, Okay, yes, they're all we've got, but 
that doesn't make any difference if they're not if they can't do anything. <laughs> What's the plan here? And um, Thagpie says, "Well, you see, the guards who walk the perimeter of the barrier at all times. They're always going around in a circle, right? We get Busker, that big lazy lizard. We get him to fall asleep." At one point. And then when the guards can't pass it, they'll all just start piling up behind that lizard as they make their circuit. What? <laughs> so that's the guards. The guards will be taken care of. That was sleeping face. <laughs> sleeping face. <laughs> then you. You are going to go to the top of the tallest mountain. <laughs> mountain. <laughs> mountain. Mountain. <laughs> In the halls of the gods. And you are going to use your spooky naturey powers... To launch yourself in the direction of the barrier, but in an angle that will take you just enough above it that you can cast your giant god-sized fireball towards Kartos's nested rock and destroy it and squash it like a bug. 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 Thus severing the ties between you and your once heartthrob hunk of rock. Heartthrob. <laughs> The heartbeat. <laughs> and then Tweed, Tweed looks at Thagpie for like about a minute. And then she goes, Pythag, you've forgotten one very important thing. And Pythag is like, I doubt it, but go ahead. And Tweed says, I'm the god of the elements at rest. I don't cast fireballs. That's kind of Kartos's deal. I'm the god of peace. Rainbow. And rest. And Pythag's like, well, I don't know why you came to me. And Tweed is like, I don't know why I came to you either. I'm going to ask the night court. And she storms out. Well, she's in for a bad time. <laughs> They're not dead yet. Depends when it's set. It's set just after the barrier. Oh, just after the barrier. Well, those were two um, <laughs> off-the-rails stories adding to the QD universe. But not really. As I mentioned earlier, they're 100% canon. If I could compliment my work in the first story, um, I would say uh, choosing to go with a kind of story that needs to be highly planned ahead of time uh, was a bold choice. Um, and then continuing to just throw shit at it until it actually broke Ursula was um, <laughs> also a wise decision. Um, and if I could compliment your story, I do think there was something very postmodern about the di- disappearance of Onfleekius <laughs> and whatever the fuck the other one was I've already forgotten. <laughs> what was the other one? Sparta. Sparta. <laughs> and Busker. But so Busker was at least involved in the story. <laughs> Um, the other two unfortunately disappeared. I so- liked um, I liked the examination of how um, dramatizations and sitcom media can really trivialize um, serious events in people's lives to cause unnecessary drama. Yeah, I know what you mean, um, and I do think that this would be looked on upon as maybe quite a poor rendition. Yeah, you're right uh, of this. But I don't know that it would ever get to that stage of critique because I think people would kind of be hung up on the disappearing characters. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and everyone loves a Korean drama. Yes, they do. They might be a little bit confused because Boris Ball was only introduced in another piece of bonus content that they may not have actually consumed. So if you haven't read The Tale of the Sentient Cookie, now's your what time. What are you doing? Now it's is fantastic. Your time. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I'm going to free you from this orb, um, dear listener. Uh, I've been Sammy. And I've been Ursula. And I will be someone else. Um, and we're off to think about our life decisions. <laughs> Digest these stories. And the pasta we ate in the middle of the two Delicious. stories. Do you think it had an effect? I think it, I feel like it did. <laughs> All right, let's say our tagline, which is... Bye! You know, you can just fade it out in parts. I don't want to. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> Beep!